I'm Kathleen Anderson, part skeptic, part believer, and your host of The Eclipse. Welcome to my podcast, where I dive into the unknown, seeking truth and hope with a healthy dose of skepticism and humor. Hello, hello, and welcome to the much-awaited, long-anticipated episode 22 of The Eclipse. It's been a while, as you guys know, because, you know, I traveled to Arizona a few weeks ago to cover the Ancient Aliens live event in Phoenix for my day job at The Political Insider, and of course for this podcast. And I have to tell you, it was an incredible experience. I cannot wait to dive into it. Later on, I'm going to dedicate at least one episode just to my Ancient Aliens Live experience. But needless to say, once I returned back home, uh, I had a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> but I am back and I am so excited to be recording again. I have missed doing this podcast. I absolutely love podcasting. So I am thankful that you guys are listening and that you guys have stuck with me, even though I had to take a little bit of a break to focus on catching up. (laughs) So before I dive into this episode, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask that you please follow us on your social media of choice. We are really kind of focusing this year on ramping up our outreach and our followership. So that's really kind of the name of the game. If you're a creator, whether it be writing or podcasting or art, it's all about having followers. So if you're a Twitter fan, we are on Twitter. You can find us at at the eclipse pod, all one word, obviously. If you're a big fan of the gram of Instagram, we're on there as well under the Eclipse podcast, all one word. And we're also on Facebook at the Eclipse. So please follow us on whatever social media site you prefer. That would really help us out. So what am I going to talk about this episode? Obviously, we know I'm not going to talk about ancient aliens because we're going to do that later. But this episode, I'm going to touch on something that I like barely skimmed the surface on in a previous episode. And to be honest, I can't even really remember what episode I did earlier that mentioned this. But what we're going to talk about today is the Rendlesham Forest incident, which I am sure I'm saying it incorrectly, but that's how I'll probably be saying it. So the Rendlesham Forest incident is what we're going to talk about today. And it is basically my new favorite UFO incident, and I am 100% obsessed. So let's go ahead and dive in. (laughs) So what got me so excited about Rendlesham Forest? We were going to do an episode on this incident anyway, because like I said, I had mentioned it previously in some other episode, and we try and keep track of things that we touch on that we should do a follow-up deeper dive into. So I was planning to do this for a while now. It's been on the episode roster for easily over a month. But when I traveled to Arizona, I was lucky enough to be able to link up with Ancient Aliens contributor and former Ministry of Defense official Nick Pope, which is so exciting. I got to tell you, he sat with me for about two hours. Super great guy, very smart, very down to earth, super interesting too, and very forthcoming, which is something that's hard to find. I think And he's very accessible too, which is something that is hard to find, I think, with anybody who's kind of made it to mainstream, like 
if you're in the UFO, UFOlogy world at all, if you're even like slightly interested in it, I guarantee you, you see Nick Pope because he's on Ancient Aliens. He's been featured on Fox News a couple times. Um, he's an author, ministry defense official, like, I don't want to say he's like a big deal, but he's mainstream, right? So a lot of times kind of in your mainstream world, these people are very accessible and they're also not very open. I got to tell you, that was not the case with Nick. So such a great guy. And I was super excited to sit with him. We discussed quite a bit in the two hours. A lot of it was kind of focused more on like the recent UAP stuff with the Pentagon. And then obviously his role with Ancient Aliens, because that's what I was there to cover for my day job. But we also talked about the Rendlesham Forest incident, which I'll be honest, I wasn't even going to ask him about, except my editor at The Political Insider was like, you got to ask him about the Rendlesham Forest incident because people, you know, there are people that say that they were time travelers and he was really into it. I honestly wasn't. I was like, all right, I'll ask because you're my editor. And you do what your boss tells you to do. So that's really what kind of ignited my curiosity. The things that Nick told me and then the things that he told me that I was able to research on my own just blew my mind. So let's talk about let's talk about what this was. So the Rendlesham incident took place in the 80s. It's basically the United Kingdom's Roswell incident and it's often called that i think they call it like the roswellsh incident which is which is really clever (laughs) but anyway it it consisted of a series of days in which there were a series of lights like mysterious lights and sightings of craft by u.s military personnel and locals at RAF Woodbridge, which RAF basically means it's military base in it. Like I was stationed at RAF Lakenheath years ago. So it's Air Force Base. And so this is a pretty big deal. This is, it's considered kind of like one of the bigger UFO sightings because it has everything in it. It has multiple witnesses. It has credible witnesses to include two security forces airmen who claim to have actually seen a craft, one of which says that he touched it and received like telepathic binary code from it, like transmitted to him, which we'll touch on that in a little bit. Like they also had, you know, it's not just like two SF airmen, security forces airmen saying something like the deputy commander at the time um, signed an affidavit regarding what he saw. He's actively like tried to push for disclosure. Um, And it even much like kind of, you know, if you've ever lived in Nevada, there's this great, this great thing called the extraterrestrial highway, which basically takes you from Las Vegas to Rachel, Nevada, which is the town kind of right outside Area 51. Super cool. I bring that up to say Rendlesham Forest kind of has its own sort of extraterrestrial highway. They have a UFO trail. Super cool. So basically 1980s, I think it was like across like three days, there were mysterious lights and ufo unidentified flying object sightings by military personnel and locals so later as what happens the united kingdom declassified documents related to what was allegedly seen so you can google these actually if you google like unidentified aerial phenomena in the united kingdom air defense region you'll come across these unclassified documents now it's like a lot which is kind of what the government does i don't think they i think sometimes they don't do it intentionally and sometimes they do but they just kind of like just mass dump a lot of documents and you have to like if you're 
if you're willing to do it, you have to comb through just an exorbitant amount of documentation and data. But if you go to volume two, Annex F, under the heading potential mental effects on humans, there's a really interesting nugget in there about what the military members who allegedly witnessed this UFO incident, uh, what they were subjected to. And so I'm going to read it verbatim. It says, the well-reported Rendlesham Forest Bentwaters event is an example where it might be postulated that several observers were probably exposed to UAP radiation for longer than normal UAP sighting periods. So what? Uh, When Nick Pope told me about this, I literally said, and now keep in mind, so if you haven't been following, UAP is kind of the government's version of UFO. It's unidentified aerial phenomenon versus unidentified flying object. So again, this is saying that like, it could be postulated that probably the people that observed this incident were exposed to higher radiation levels than normal UAP sighting periods. So like I said, when Nick told me that, I went, wait a second, there's a normal level of radiation with UAP sightings? What? This isn't a military or government document. So that's pretty incredible. This little nugget was used to help out one of the observers of the incident gets some VA benefits. So from what I have been told and from my research, some of the the individuals that witnessed this incident had medical issues, right? You know, like uh, the two airmen described having PTSD from it. And so you know, when you're in the United States military and you discharge, you retired and you have medical issues, you go through the the VA, the Veterans Administration, to try, to Veterans Affairs, to try and get some sort of compensation, right? Some disability. And so obviously, if you go to the VA and you say like, hey, I've got these problems and it's due to this UFO incident, they're going to say, well, there's no such thing as UFOs, right? Like if you go, there's a whole catalog, like book catalog that the VA uses to help classify like what percentage of your disability you should get. And I can tell you the disability related to UFO incidences is not in the book. <laughs> and so anyway, you know, these these individuals had issues because what's also weird is that their U.S. military medical records were sealed. They were classified. That's pretty strange. I've been on some pretty, I don't want to say like highly classified, but I I have been assigned to units in which you have need to know and things like that. And I can tell you that my medical records were not classified upon my retirement. (laughs) I had full access to my medical records. But anyway, that made it exponentially more difficult to get VA benefits. So this little nugget in this volume two anecdote Annex F of this unclassified report from the UK was used for one of the members to actually get a settlement. It's a confidential settlement from the VA. So just let that sink in for a second. The VA agreed to a confidential settlement with one of the Rendlesham Forest incident experiencers to get benefits for some sort of illness or condition that they received from the incident. That's that's mind-blowing. So, you know, let's move forward a little bit. So let's talk about the deputy base commander. He's Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. I think he's really kind of a fascinating 
character in this story because he's got rank, right? And if you have rank, you have something to lose. And most individuals with rank that I knew of, anyway, especially officers, I'm just going to keep it real, would not, I don't think would would do as much as this individual has. So this incident, you know, it happened at the end of 1980. And shortly after the new year of 1981, Colonel Halt wrote and signed a letter that went to the RAF commander, to talk about these quote-unquote unexplained lights. So I think it's best if I just read it. Again, you can find this letter online. It is unclassified. So here we go from his letter. Early in the morning of 27 December 1980, approximately 0300 local time, two United States Air Force security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at RAF Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have crashed or been forced down, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. The on-duty flight chief responded and allowed three patrolmen to proceed on foot. The individuals reported seeing a strange glowing object in the forest. The object was described as being metallic in appearance and triangular in shape, approximately two to three meters across the base and approximately two meters high. It illuminated the entire forest with a white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top and a bank of blue lights underneath. The object was hovering or on legs. As the patrolman approached the object, it maneuvered through the trees and disappeared. At this time, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. The object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. Okay, so we'll break here for a second. So we, he's, he has set the scene for that that first encounter, right? Very strange. This thing doesn't look like anything that we know of now, let alone in the 80s. And it moves in unconventional ways and it freaked out the, the animals. Okay, let's get back to the letter. He continues. The next day... Three depressions one and a half inches deep and seven inches in diameter were found where the object had been sighted on the ground. The following night, 29 December 1980, the area was checked for radiation. Beta gamma readings of 0.1 millirotogens, I'm probably saying that wrong, but you get it, were recorded with peak readings in the three depressions and near the center of the triangle formed by the depressions. A nearby tree had moderate readings on the side of the tree toward the depressions. So let's break there. So this is basically the, hey, there was radiation randomly (laughs) in the forest, in that area that the depressions were from the legs of the craft and the general area of it. Okay, let's, let's finish this up. Later in the night, a red sunlight Sun-like light was seen through the trees. It moved about and pulsed. At one point, it appeared to throw off glowing particles and then broke into five separate white objects and then disappeared. Immediately thereafter, three star-like objects were noticed in the sky, two objects to the north and one to the south, all of which were about 10 degrees off the horizon. The objects moved rapidly in sharp angular movements and displayed red, green, and blue lights. The objects to the north appeared to be elliptical through an 8 to 12 power lens. They then turned to full circles. The objects to the north remained in the sky for an hour or more. The object to the south was visible for two or three hours and beamed down a stream of light from time to time. Numerous individuals, including the undersigned, witnessed the activities in paragraphs two and three. Okay, so that's the end of what what Lieutenant Colonel Halt 
wrote. And this is pretty incredible. I mean, if you think about some of the sightings in more recent times with the military, and you talk about UAPs, one of the kind of recurring characteristics is that these craft can change their form, right? And so in this case, this particular craft, or one of them, went from being, where was it? It was like, it went from being elliptical, and then back to circles, right? So as opposed to being an ellipse, it went into a circle. That's pretty, that's pretty normal. So, you know, that's a really fascinating letter, I think. So you have that. You also have the fact that on one of the incidents, the one that he witnessed, he actually tape recorded it. And you can find this as well, where you can hear kind of real time this audio recording. And in it, you hear him say, it's definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. This is weird. Oh, yeah. That sounds really freaking weird. (laughs) That's super strange. Later, he claimed that some of his men may have been abducted because they were unaccounted for for hours. So that's super strange. And then he also found four radar technicians or two radar technicians that confirmed that that during that time frame, an object was tracked that was moving thousands of miles per hour. So now let's talk about, let's talk about the security forces, guys. So you've got two security forces, airmen. You've got Jim Penniston and John Burroughs. Both of them claim to have suffered from PTSD. Penniston seems to kind of be this the focal point in most of the research that I've done because he's the guy who claimed to have touched the craft, which had markings on it like uh, I want to say it was like a circle with a triangle in it and then also what appeared to be hieroglyphics and when he did that he received binary code from this as he call it craft of unknown origin so this binary code that was transmitted to him had all sorts of stuff in it like once you translate it it a lot of it's like coordinates to various locations to include like the pyramids of Giza like uh, I can't remember the name of it but this I this alleged island Celtic island that sunk in the ocean it's like the Celtic Atlantis and various other things like that but also within the binary code they some of the kind of the more salacious translations were that it has said exploration of humanity continuous for planetary advance eyes of your eyes origin date 8100 and then while under Penniston later in life went under hypnosis and while he was under hypnosis he said they are time travelers they are us whoa I mean we'll talk about this a little later about what I think but that's pretty that's pretty interesting again you know not enough of you reached out to me on my other episode where I talk about how my husband thinks that I was abducted by aliens and I asked if you guys think I should go under hypnosis. So I kind of feel like hypnosis might be interesting. I might have to try it out. (laughs) So let's talk about what what the man is saying. So there's some interesting stuff going on here. There's some hinky stuff. So there was evidence that was removed and is now like missing. There was a general, General Gabriel, who came and he took he took evidence. That's weird. Why would you take evidence unless you're trying to hide something? They also tried to ex- like kind of explain this incident away by saying it was a combination of a fireball effect from a meteor the Orford Ness Lighthouse, which has its own hinkiness. I might do a whole separate podcast on that. And bright stars. (laughs) 
And <laughs> the other big claim, and this one's kind of more recent, because uh, it was, I think it was like two years ago was the 40th anniversary of this, right? Yeah, 2020. That there were claims that this was just all a practical joke that was done by the British dudes to wig out the American guys. So let's talk about my thoughts. I mean, I for sure believe this 100%. I'm 100% into this. I, I don't know if you can tell. I think that the, the evidence is mind-blowing. I think this might be literally the most, the single most important UFO incident that we should be focused on. If you're involved in ufology, I feel like the Rendlesham Forest incident is the most important one to research. Let's talk about, let's talk about why. So the medical records, there's no reason why they should be sealed or classified. And we already kind of talked talked about that how and then like the the radiation that the uk record said that's what's more than normal wait a second you mean to tell me you have a baseline of what normal radiation looks like for uap (laughs) uap sightings that's pretty that's pretty telling and then the va settled for at least one of them i'm assuming peniston that's what I, that's what my guess would be, but I don't know. That's just a guess. I think Lieutenant Colonel Halt seems very credible. He had he never backed down, actively you know pursuing it, and I think that you know his his testimony is just incredibly credible. The the argument that this was just like oh it just happened there was a fireball from a meteor at the same time that maybe the lighthouse was on and there's really bright stars and the brits just decided to pull a practical joke when you read lieutenant colonel halt's testimony of what he saw none of that makes any damn sense none of that sounds like a meteor none of that sounds like just bright stars bright stars don't don't have different colors to them bright stars don't move like that and it doesn't sure the hell doesn't sound like a lighthouse i've seen lighthouses a lot of them my daughter's a big fan lighthouses still don't operate them like the the shining of the light of a lighthouse doesn't shine directly down onto the ground it shines out that's the freaking point of the lighthouse bananas terrible terrible excuses so then this brings me to like do i think that the rendlesham forest incident was aliens or do i think it was time travelers so i think it's time travelers mainly because it and like this is what nick pope also kind of talked about with me is you know theorists say that if like if you were going to do time travel you're going to travel back in time and say you're going to do it by like a great like length of time so in this case it kind of makes it sound like these people came from the year 8100 think about it this was 1980 8100 is far away from where we are now that you would communicate in binary because that might i mean who knows maybe in 8100 that's how we all communicate maybe we all communicate in ones and zeros maybe we all communicate telepathically so it kind of makes sense that you would use binary because it's kind of a universal language a universal code i think when you when you talk about what they found in the binary i think that's interesting like the exploration of human humanity continuous for planetary advance so i mean they could be talking about the advance of our planet right so maybe they're coming back in time to kind of see if they can figure out what went wrong maybe like maybe something's really bad maybe something really bad happens in the future that's not a stretch of an imagination a a leap right (laughs) so maybe they're trying to figure out like you know oh man we got to find the guy that started you know doing man buns and we got to laser him because he's the he's the downfall of humanity (laughs) 
obviously I hope it's not man buns that uh, destroys our planetary advance. Uh, <laughs> but let's look at the other one, like eyes of your eyes. I mean, that kind of, that's a very romantic, poetic way. I would think of saying we have this, we, we are the same, right? Eyes of your eyes. We have the same eyes that you have. I think the hieroglyphics is a bit odd. Hieroglyphics is something from the past. We don't use hieroglyphics now. And it's very Egyptian, right? odd so that's strange but other than that i think it makes sense and it kind of makes sense why we wouldn't see these people these incidents as much right like why like because if you think about it if all of the ufo sightings or the predominance of the the ufo sightings throughout history have just been us from the future it kind of makes sense why we haven't seen aliens yet right because you would think all of these ufo sightings where are the aliens how come they just haven't shown up and lasered us well if it's people traveling back in time that's different than like an armada of alien aircraft you know traversing space to colonize earth obviously i watch too many movies but you get my drift i think to me i think it's time travelers either way i am a thousand percent in on this i am obsessed <sighs> like i'm serious i'm in it i believe it 100 percent. i believe I believe the people who saw what they saw. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, though. So please reach out to us on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook with your thoughts. Do you think it was a hoax? Do you think it was aliens? Do you think it was time travelers? Do you think I should plan a trip back to England to investigate further? <laughs> so you're really trying to, like, squeak, like, squeeze as many adventures as I can. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and please continue to follow us on Spotify. And please also leave a rating, preferably five stars. This helps support our endeavor by making sure our podcast shows up on general searches more often, which could help us get to where we can have advertisers. And if we have advertisers, we can, you know, have mo you know monetize the podcast and then maybe pay for my plane ticket to go across the pond to England and investigate this further. Huh? So be sure to click that follow button on Spotify and give us five stars. <laughs> In the next episode, I'll be diving into the creepiness of the shadow people. This one will be great because apparently my husband has had an encounter with a shadow person. And that's not just a reference to shady people down in Fort Lauderdale, where he's from. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Don't hate me if you're from Florida. Thank you again for listening. And please take the time to follow me on Substack. I publish my podcasts and all my writings on my Substack titled The Sweet Struggle. You can also find me on Twitter at, at @mohawkmoderate and swing by thepoliticalinsider.com to read my articles and those of my other highly talented fellow writers. My name is Kathleen Anderson and this is The Eclipse. <laughs>